Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. It's, it's actually a bit of a surprise to me. I'm usually invited to developing nations, places where you know, the toilet's a hole in the ground. 50 feet outside the church and there's no, uh, there's a roof but the windows are, you can put your hand right through, there's nothing there. And sometimes it's colder in the building than outside. So um, this is a really a new experience for us. As you can probably tell, we are um, quite used to, to ministering to young adults uh, a lot, uh, young leaders, so we've learned to be painfully honest. Um, I, I believe that a faith walk in mentoring others in faith, it's not just about sharing your victories. I grew up hearing great stories, great accomplishments in God, great testimonies, great faith. But if you only hear the great stuff, oftentimes a young person will ask themselves, is something broken with my Jesus? Because you all are doing amazing things for God and I'm a mess. I'm a big mess and no one knows and it's just inside me. And that's how I grew up. And I didn't, it wasn't until I got older and I got to, um, see a shift in the body of Christ where, where men and women of God who had gone that journey, they had walked the walk, they were starting to open up their lives more. And I was, such, I was so blessed by my heritage, by the community I grew up around. And I realized something, that if I am to help the next generation, one thing that we have to do as a ministry is to be just really honest. We try to do it with some discretion, of course, and wisdom, and the right context and the right group. But we also try to be very honest about our walk. And I oftentimes, I find my mentees and my disciples, they, or the people that we help in discipleship. Jesus is the, the only discipler, and everyone's a disciple of Jesus, right? But we help them in discipleship. They oftentimes learn more from my failures than from my successes. And we try to cultivate a, a safe place where they can share about what they're going through, and we try to do that in the utmost level of honesty. So. I just so appreciate uh, E1, and um, actually, you know, many times people ask me to share, but uh, she's got her own stories, her own testimonies, her own encounters with God. It's her own revelation. It's just, it's amazing, and I'm blessed by it. This morning, I just want to follow up with um, what she shared earlier, and just add in a couple of things there. I really, you know, I, I'm so blessed. I think I saw Arwin helping with the kids, but he gave a prophetic word earlier about God removing the spirit of fear. And that's actually what I, I tossed in bed for like four hours last night, not sure what I wanted to speak on. And I felt the Lord tell me in my heart, speak about fear. And so that really encouraged me when he gets like, okay, I'm not off. Good. You know, <laughs> the jet lag hasn't gotten there yet. So um, I'll be sharing a little bit about fear um, this morning. And I'll try to do this as efficiently as possible. But I just want to say this first. For what really I admired and I praise God for in Ewan's life was, I know she made it sound easy, but it wasn't. When she went to decide to stay with her family in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of we would have shouting arguments in restaurants. And I would, you know, as the boyfriend or the fiance, I'd be like, this is awkward. You know, I was totally not used to it. My parents were very good at keeping the shouting arguments in, in hidden places, right? They definitely argued, right? No perfect parent. But, um, you know, they, they tried very much to shield us from it. But for her, it was, it was just dramatic. 
And what she did when she got born again was really simple. She went home, and in our church, we were, we were taught to, to first live out our Christianity, not to try to convince people right off the bat that they needed Jesus, but to try to, to, to live it out ourselves in the beginning as we share, you know, not, not much later, but as we share. And what she started out with, and I have to share this with you, she would go home, and the first thing she did was she just said, I love you. And it was, that was new in her family. No one ever said that. She would go home, and her dad would be going off, and she'd be like, I love you. And he'd look at her, and he'd say, we're not white. In Chinese, he'd say, we're not white. Okay? You don't have to say these things. You know, we are not like the Westerners. Right? Um, you, we know, we know. You know, in a Chinese family, we ask two things. Do you have, have you eaten? And do you have enough money? That's love for us, right? And as a kid growing up, you love that, right? Because birthday presents are all cash. Very rarely. Like, but but the, the sad part of that culture is that we are very deprived of love. And you'll find that Asian young men especially are very angry young men, right? And I went through a lot of that. I, no time to share today. But So she would, bring, she would go home and she'd just say, I love you. And they would, of course, be awkward and she would continue doing it. And one thing I love about my wife is she doesn't give up very easily. She looks, you know, not that strong. She's tiny. But she's got an amazing heart capacity to love people in spite of their... Put it this way. In her heart, she could walk on broken glass. Right? That's what she does. People throw broken glass around, shouting, screaming, throwing their tantrums. And in her heart, she can walk on broken glass by God's grace. And she just said, I love you. And before long, you started to see, like, her dad change... Her sister got born again. Her father got born again, started working in a church. No big miracle, no big, you know, no standing in the living room preaching the gospel to them, no big altercation, just little acts of love every day. And it's only been five, six years. You know, and we've seen two of her family members come to the Lord. And we've seen such a shift in the household. My, my mother-in-law has voluntarily taken down some idols, some paintings. In fact, before my son was born, I, you know, uh, we were praying, and I felt God speak to me so clearly. He said, Lael, my son, he will bring his grandmother to the Lord. And I've already seen it happening, you know? Like, he just has this way of winning her heart. My grandmother refuses to go to, I mean, my grandmother, my mother-in-law refused to go to church, but she said, I'll go if he's, you know, in the church program. So he's, he's already working on her. <laughs> Amen. So very quickly this morning, um, I don't really have the time to go into a lot of... Uh, theological proof. So if you will take me just sharing my heart, and if you will measure it against the Holy Spirit living in you and what you read in the Word of God, I'd appreciate that very much. Many times I find as a preacher, I go to different churches, I feel like half my message is proving that what I'm saying is biblical and sound and not deception. But I'm glad that this is not that place. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure pastors Vivian and James can understand that. So very quickly, uh, we've been called especially to young leaders who are raising up in this current generation, but we've also been called to coach elders and leaders in the church, older Christians, in how to raise, pass the baton. That's really our call. And for me personally, that's been the story of my life because my father, my, my, my gr granduncle, these are all missionaries. And I grew up in a missions organization. I grew up around missionaries. We had missionaries coming in and out of the house so much that one day my, my sister saw my dad and she's like, hi, Uncle Sonny. We, we call everyone uncle and auntie. You know, that, that, sh that, that shook my dad. He's like, mm, maybe I'm traveling a bit too much. At the time, he was doing about 285 days out of, out of the house a year. So we got to see him about, uh, you know, not that much. 
and of course that affected us. But we learned a lot um, along the way, and God has done a lot of healing in our hearts. And I must say this, my personal conviction for the generation that's rising up and for everyone here is that God wants to, to bring you into a place of wholeness where you hear His voice so accurately, so sharply. Of course, the written Word of God is, is infallible. It is, it is His perfect Word. But it's an invitation to lead you to get to an encounter with Him, to have an intimate walk with Him. Just the Scripture alone by itself, without the Holy Spirit, without a walk with God is not enough. Remember that the Pharisees and Sadducees, they memorized Scripture since the age of 14. They knew it heart by heart, back to back. And they still missed Christ when He was on the earth, in the flesh and before them. So I just want to encourage you. I, I, you know, the Bible is good and there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're reading your Bible just as a discipline, I want to challenge you this morning to not just as a discipline, but meet the author. Meet the, the spirit that's behind the word. Let him speak directly to your situation. Because I struggle with some very simple things in life. Should I buy insurance? Should I buy medical insurance? Very simple question. I can't find a chapter or verse. Some would say it's not faith. How can you buy medical insurance? Then you're predicting that sickness will come. That's not of God. God's will is to heal. But if I do, don't buy medical insurance, is that irresponsibility? Am I worse than an unbeliever for not providing for my family? <laughs> These are all the questions I grew up asking all the missionaries around me. And, you know, I stumped a lot of people growing up. And, I, and I've continued to seek after these questions as I got older. And the, and the one, and I cannot tell you whether you should buy insurance or not. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can tell you this. God has a perfect financial plan, a perfect family plan, a perfect social plan, a perfect retirement plan for every one of you. If you will get to know Him. There's something that I've done in my life that I think is the, probably the most radical, but probably the smartest thing. And that's in 2008, after six years of backslidden, drunken, drug-filled, uh, just craziness of running away from God, angry at him, angry at the church, angry at my parents, a lot of anger. After all that, when he brought me back into the house, I, was, I remember this so clear. I was on the kitchen floor in my sister's flat because I had to move out of my own place because I was almost bankrupt. I had lost over $100,000 in a bad investment. I had nothing left. And I knelt down on the kitchen floor and I said, God, I have to censor myself because I, I actually added some vulgarity in saying this to God because I was just being honest with him at the time. I said, God, I don't know beep, beep, beep how to live. I beep, 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 mess up all my life and everything I touch. I am a mess, but tell you what, if you can make something out of my life, if you can, if you can get someone as deaf as me to hear you, I will do anything you say and you prove to me that you know how to live. That was it, that was a very unsanctified prayer, but God sees the heart. And I'm so thankful for mercy. Oh, I wouldn't be here without mercy. But you know, God took that prayer and he honored the desire he had actually placed in me. It wasn't from me. It was him and me. You know, things that my parents had put in, things that my parents had prayed for. And from that day, I had made that my sole goal, to hear him and obey him. That's all, whether it's ministry, finance, business, family, that's the one thing I try to turn to. And, and, and I've actually, this has been, like I say, I only have one sermon. And what I share with young adults is really just that. How to get through, I mean, we do the foundations of the gospel, the cross and all that. But we come to this point. How do you be a disciple of Jesus? How do you hear him? How do you meet him in the word every day till he speaks to you about how to do today? 
how to have wisdom for today and tomorrow. And then from there, what we troubleshoot is, you see, in all our hearts, we have division. Our hearts were shattered. That's why it says in Isaiah 61 that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. And in our hearts, we're divided. Like it says in James, a, w a wave tossed by the wind, double-minded and unstable in all its ways. Let not that person think they will receive from God. And I believe that's why many of my prayers were not answered. Many of the things I believe for and have faith for, I even declare and proclaim, don't come to pass. Because in my heart, it's not him that needs to change, it's me. But how do I do that? Can I put myself under a microscope? Can I fix myself? No. Because it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. It's, the, it's he who gives us the gift of repentance, the changing of mind. And that's why we have to go to him. So how many things did he have to change my mind about? A whole ton. And I just want to share one part today, and that is fear. God had to change my mind a lot about how I saw fear. And I just want to give you one scripture this morning. And that's in Romans chapter, oh dear, I think it's 13. Don't fail me now. See, now we're dependent on these tablets. I wouldn't if I could travel lighter, but I believe it's, yeah, uh, Romans chapter 13. I can quote you the verse. I just, while you turn there and you'll see if I'm right and you'll get there before me probably at the rate that this Android's going. <laughs> ah, it is Romans. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't get one that wrong. All right. Romans chapter 13, verse 7. This is the verse I want to highlight today, but I just want to give you a little bit of context. If I could just take maybe 10 more minutes of your time. Thank you for your patience. So, see, in the Bible, we know that the Bible says in Proverbs, in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. We agree, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. So often, you know, we agree a fear of the Lord is important. But what is wisdom? Wisdom is what Solomon, you know what Solomon asked for when he asked for wisdom? In the real translation, he said, I ask God for a heart that can hear you, a hearing heart. And that's what we tell all our young adults. What we want to impart to you in your life is a hearing heart. That's what wisdom is. Whether you go into finance, the restaurant industry, counseling, in ministry, if your heart can hear God, you have wisdom and you will bring heaven on earth. Amen. That's what sons and daughters do. It's wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how do you learn to fear God? See, Israel had this problem of fearing other gods and they would turn away from God. So fear is actually a big issue in the Bible. The Bible also says that perfect love casts out all fear. Both me and my wife, we grew up in different backgrounds, but we were filled with fear. I grew up in a missionary family afraid of being poor. Honestly, we would pray for funds, and we saw miracles because, you know, my, my dad would literally go out to the post office. God would speak to him, go into this toilet. He'd come back out with a, ca a suitcase full of cash. People would think he's a drug dealer. I don't know. But God would, you know, I, I have seen money literally appear before my eyes. But I still grew up with a spirit of poverty, a fear of lack. What am I going to do next month? What if God is nice to me today because I was good, but I'm bad next month and he doesn't show up? So I still had these fears growing up, even if I was in a family, you know, that, that saw miracles. And many more fears than that. But here's the thing. When we fear other things, we need to realize that so something happens to us. In Romans chapter 13, verse 7, let's just go there and we'll wrap this up. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. 
Now, what's interesting about what Paul, uh, Paul is saying to the Romans is there are four things I want you to give away when they are required of you. Give away. That's the key. See, we pay tax, and a government gives us benefits. We help build the roads, we help with the medical system, and we benefit in medical care and other amenities. We give honor, the Bible says, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, receive a prophet's reward. Honor someone spiritually, and their spiritual gift influence will come over your life. But in this list, there's something interesting. There's fear there. He says, give fear to whom fear is due. So the first thing I want to touch on tonight is, or this morning, not nighttime yet, hold on. The first thing I want to touch on this morning is, fear does not happen to you. It's something you gave away. And maybe you didn't know you gave it away, but maybe when you were a three-year-old boy, a dog came up to you and you were trying to pet it and he was scared and he bit you. But because of that occurrence, 30 years later, when you see a big dog walking down the street, you still cross the road. I know full-grown, mature Christian adults who are still afraid to put their head underwater or walk out at night. In the Philippines, we have pastors who are afraid of ghosts. Tell a ghost story and everyone gets real quiet. Not the holy ghost story, but the ghost story. Do we, can any of you, ref, you know, feel this? Like we have irrational fears. And some of them we feel are very rational. Oftentimes we take fear and we call it wisdom or responsibility or being smart, being common sense. But see, fear is something you give away. And when you give it away, what you're doing is you're opening up a spiritual door for that fear to come back and influence you, just like the other things Paul says will give to you. So it's something that you have, God has given you the power and the grace to choose. So when you say, I fear the Lord and Him alone, what you're saying is, I give Him all the influence. I dis he decides whether I buy insurance or not. He decides whether I put my kids in a public school or a private. He decides whether I go to this doctor or that doctor. He decides if this bump in my neck is something worth going in for. I know it sounds a bit radical, and I'm not saying to do this outside of wisdom. Do this in a community of, of mature believers who can do this together. But we have to get, the church has to get past serving other gods through fear. See, you, you may not love money, but if you have ever had a fear of not having enough, or the mortgage, there not being enough money when the mortgage is due, or not having something in your cart when you beep it at the counter, if you've ever had that fear, do you know what that means? There's a, there's a hook in your heart. And you've allowed this thing, called this thing called money to tie that hook in there. And you may not love it, but you fear it. And if you fear it, you'll eventually worship it. If you're afraid of those things to come, whether you know it or not, you are serving a God of poverty. And you know what they call that in the Bible? The God of Baal. That's who the Israelites turned to when the rain wouldn't fall, when the sun wasn't good enough, when they didn't have enough money, and God didn't seem to be answering, they would turn to Baal and sacrifice to him because he was the God of abundance. Until today, in the financial world, in many of the political systems, we worship that God out of fear. But what we don't realize is, see, we're, we're Christians trying to mature into the, into the fullness of Christ. We're trying to walk this journey, trying to obey God, trying to do what he speaks to us, trying to, to, to love others as, as he loved us, we're doing the great commandment, the great commission. But we've got all these hooks hooked into our heart along the way. I'm afraid of relationship. I'm afraid of really being honest because I don't know if I tell you who I am if you accept me. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid that people will think I'm not educated or not sophisticated enough. I'm afraid that you will see my bank account and you'll judge me. When I 
draw ATM money out, I, I cover that stuff. Like I, I, I'm, not, I'm a small guy, but I get wide because I don't want to see people to see in the reflection, what do they think of me? When I'm preaching, I get so afraid. What if they think I, my message is bad? What if they think I don't hear from God? I ministers for years under fear of so many things. Have you ever had a baby? Many of you, I'm sure, have. That is a fear bucket load that just like gets shipped into your, what if this, what if that? He's crying, he's hot, he's warm. Is this too warm? Is it not warm enough? Should we go to the, the, the hospital or not? Fear, 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 fear. And the whole time it's like, God, I'm in the middle of a storm, but I, I committed this one thing that I would listen to you first and I will sacrifice anything. Hopefully I never sacrifice the life of my son. But Abraham also brought Isaac to a certain place. I'm not saying be unwise. I pray with my wife. I call my parents. I pray with them. But I'm still trying to hear God together about all things. Not, of course, don't get crazy, right? There's a season I went extreme. God, what cereal should I eat? Is this better for me or not? <laughs> don't get silly with this. You know, there is a spirit of, of, of stupidity. Don't give in to that spirit. Sometimes when I drive, I'm like, God, free that man. <laughs> I know you all have jokes about Asian drivers. You can't hide it. <laughs> I'm Asian. I can say that. Right. But you see, we may not realize it, but the devil has found a way to hook us. And as we're trying to follow God, do you know what happens? These little hooks. See, you can move a horse, a big animal, even an elephant, you can move him just by a little, little hook in behind the ear. Big, massive thing. When he's angry and he's running down, nothing can stop him. But you get a little hook behind his ear, you can direct that animal where he wants you to go. And we're trying to follow God, and here we go. Oops. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Oh. And we wonder why we don't get very far. Because there are hooks in our heart. They're area where we don't acknowledge God first. We say, God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I can quote all the scriptures on faith, but I'm still afraid of this one thing. I'm still afraid of this. I'm still afraid of that. And what I believe God wants to do this morning is exactly what Arwen prophesied just now. Is that he wants to remove a spirit of fear. It's not going to happen overnight. But what we want to do today is we want to illuminate that this is here in the house and we need to get it out of the house. We need to arrest and say, that is a spirit of fear. In a lot of the healing ministry you do, do you know one of the number one prayers we do and we see breakthrough? Is when someone gets injured, especially they tell me they had an accident or an injury, when we pray healing, nothing happens. And we just ask them, was it an accident or injury? Yes. Okay, let me pray this one thing. Father, in Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of fear. If there's any fear, because you had that moment where you kind of slip and you're just like, is, is that a slip disc? Could I be paralyzed? I heard about that story of that swimmer who fell. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. That would be terrible. Then I won't be able to go to my favorite restaurant. Oh, no, and it's going to cost a lot of money. Oh, no, I, ho I hope not. <laughs> or, or we'll be walking around and we'll have a cough, right? Like, <clears throat> oh, the other day Bob had a cough and Bob's dead. <laughs> so uh, forgive me if anyone here is named Bob I, I, or Robert. Sorry, I should have picked a Chinese name. I would, I, would have, I would have got less hits. But you know what I'm talking about? We have these little foxes that spoil the grapes. They creep into our mind and they say to us, you could get this, you could get that. They had that. When we pray for the sick, I can tell you, even me, the person praying sometimes, 
everything someone comes up with, second stage cancer. And I, in my head, I'm not thinking faith, I'm thinking of four other people who I know who've died of second stage cancer. <laughs> I can think of every, you tell me a verse, a promise in God, I can give you a Christian example when it didn't come to pass. You tell me God provides, how about that missionary who had to feed his kids water? You tell me God protects, I can tell you, how about that missionary whose whole family was burned in fire? I can come with all these things. And you know what's happening in my heart? I'm building a case against God while I'm trying to serve him. And I call it wisdom. I call it common sense. There's nothing wrong with wisdom or common sense, but wisdom, I remind you this morning, in, 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 in all humility, is a heart that hears God. A heart that is given solely to fearing only the Holy One and having only His influence in my life. I was afraid of women when I met you one. Because in Asian society, we have, we, in some places, we have... <laughs> Don't tell her. <laughs> you know, but I've seen so many women use manipulation to control men. And I had that fear. And do you know what that led me to do? That led me into promiscuity. That led me into to punishing women through relationship, through sexual relationship. And God had to reveal that in my heart. Son, it's not because of lust. It's because you have this hate against women. That's why you watch pornography. Because all pornography is hate against women. It's demeaning. It's abusive. It's using, it's manipulation, it's exploitation. And I had a hate against women. God had to point, I was in ministry. I was a head of a healing room and mission, directing missions. And God had to point this out. Do you know why all the women in your church staff that you argue against are women? You have a hate against women. I'm like, Jesus, save me. <laughs> but, but, but let me just wrap this up. And we'd, I'd love to laugh with you longer, but let me just wrap this up. You see, my experience, and, and it's mine has not been a long one, but my experience in God so far has been pretty simple when it comes to being discipled by Him. God highlights an issue, He convicts me of sin. I bring it before Him and I be as painfully honest as I can to Him. I say, God, you're right. you got me, you got me. I've got this and I do this. I think this way and so I act this way. God, I need you to heal me, I need you to give me a gift of repentance, to change my mind. Repentance is not going to the, to the altar and crying and having snot run down and be like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. I did that every Friday night when I was in youth last time. Every Friday night, I got born again again. I've been born again thousands of times. <laughs> that's not repentance. That's, that's, that's feeling bad, which is good, but it's not repentance. Repentance is the word metanoia. It it's literally means to be walking this way, and now I'm walking that way. That's repentance. And it's something only God can give. But what we do is we come to God and we say, God, I agree, I have this problem. And the moment I say, I have this problem, there's supernatural grace that comes in the confession of sin for repentance to take place. But if I do not say I have the problem, nothing will change. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people with contrite hearts who come to him and say, God, I got a problem. So let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for all of us right now. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence here. We thank you for what you're doing. Could I just get you to stand real quick if you don't mind, please? Father, this morning we know there's a grace. You already spoke it through your word. 
by another brother. There's a grace for breaking off of yokes. But the yoke breaks off because of the fatness of the neck. So we know that there's a blessing in today. A blessing of true freedom. There's more freedom in you than there is outside of you. So, Father, we thank you there's more freedom today. There's breakthrough today. There are prayers that have not been answered for a long time that you're going to see breakthrough quickly because of the removal of idolatry, the removal of fearing other gods, of other things besides you. And, Father, I just ask you right now that your Holy Spirit would come and just hover over everyone here. Stir up afresh in every heart, every mind. Father shows me there are parents here. You have feared so many things over your children. And without knowing it, you've literally opened a door to the devil to come in and mess with their lives. Job had many problems. God said he was a good man, a righteous man, but he had many problems. You know, one of the problems was Job would wake up in the morning and sacrifice in case his kids had sinned. Every morning, he was worried for them. At the end of Job, he says, everything that I feared has come upon me. Job said that, everything I feared has come upon me. And I, wanna, I just want to invite parents, including myself this morning, if you have ever had fears about your children that were outside the Word of God, fears of their health, their sexual orientation, their financial ability, their, their careers, I just invite us all right now to repent before God. Say, God, change this in me. I recognize, I agree with you, I have this. Change it in me. Give me the grace to, to have the changing of mind, the repentance today. And let all that was stolen come back to my household right now. Let, let the fear of my children not walking with God be removed and let the Holy Spirit bring them back into the faith. There are many young families and young people here who are afraid of their financial security, your employability, your ability to have a home or a house, to even live at the same level of, of, that your parents are at, not even better, but even at the same is a bit of a worry. I just invite you today, there's a grace in the room right now to repent of that. Say, God, you are the lifter of my head. You are the provider. You give daily bread. You, you, you enjoy the prosperity of your servants. Not to be selfish, but we are blessed to be a blessing. You want us to prosper, not for a selfish gain, but to be an impact on the world around us. So, Father, touch us in our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray right now, remove any spirit of fear. Begin that journey in our hearts. Confront us, God. Help us to shift. Father, we thank you that this family, this believer family, this Faith Point Church, Lord, is a place where we're going to see such a shift where fear is no longer part of the DNA, no longer part of the culture in this place. And people who, on the outside, when they come in, they're going to recognize something. You know what? This is a funny group of people. They laugh at everything. They laugh out loud and they laugh long at many things that I'm afraid of. Why can they laugh? Because they're afraid of one thing and one thing only, the God of the universe who's a loving Father. And when we come to you, loving Father, in that fear, you say your perfect love will then cast out all fear. So, Father, we accept that today in our hearts. We ask you for transformation, true change in us, and the grace to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.